Hey everyone, welcome to the Americana Station podcast. Thanks so much for tuning in today. Today on the podcast we have Mary Scholes, uh, and I'm excited to talk about her new record. Um, I'm going to announce a few things real quick. Uh, there's a lot of stuff going on, which uh, is why there's been a pause for a few weeks on the podcast. I'm so sorry about that, uh, but it is good news. Um, first off, uh, I you know I just got back from a tour, which we do talk about uh, on this, so that uh, slowed things down a little bit. Americana Fest, of course, um, which was wild. Um, took a lot of pictures there, played a couple of gigs. Um, but uh, one of the big announcements is both uh, of your hosts, on Americana Station are going to be playing a show together here uh, at the basement, the OG basement on 8th Avenue on October 21st. Tickets are available at the basement uh, website. And um, that is, I believe, just thebasement.com or just search for The Basement Nashville uh, and you'll be able to find those tickets. They are available for sale now. uh, So make sure you get them. They're only $10 playing at 6 p.m. And uh, Veronica Stanton is uh, opening the show. Uh, super excited about that one. So glad that uh, me and India get to play our first show together. And uh, also, uh, this week, the Amp blog uh, just released the premiere of my song, Don't Drink Well Whiskey, in Lone Star State. And um, so you want to make sure that you check that out. Uh, you can visit that website at turnuptheamp.com, and you'll see that premiere for Don't Drink Well Whiskey in the Lone Star State. Also... India Ramey um, just announced that she's going to be emceeing uh, the 10th annual Pearls and Pinstripes Gala on October 7th at the Music City Center. Uh, And this is with the Tennessee Coalition to End Domestic and Sexual Violence. Um, So please make sure you check that out. Uh, The website, uh, or at least the Facebook, is Tennessee Coalition to End Domestic uh, and Sexual Violence. And uh, you can get your tickets there for uh, India am seeing that super cool lots of really good stuff going on uh including mary shoal's new record so uh let's get to that i uh hope everyone's doing well make sure you rate and review this podcast and let's get going everyone welcome to americana station podcast today on the podcast i have mary shoals did i say that correctly shoals? yes you did thank you yeah shoals like like muscle shoals shoals the insert insert foot pad or i thought we're talking it's so funny i always say dr shoals but if i speak if i'm talking to anybody who's involved in music they're like um or muscle shoals that's true that makes more that's way cooler <laughs> but yes dr shoals that's my usual go-to do you, uh, you have a, a new, is it an EP or a record that's coming out? New record. New record, full length. Yes, full length on July 22nd. I'm very excited about it. That's awesome. Yeah, I, I just was uh, jamming on my my little run a couple of the tunes that are already out. Um, oh, no. I just had them pulled up. Talk to me in Tired Sad. Tired Sad. That <laughs> piano. Yeah, that one is so good. Thank you. I, I also am tired of being sad and sad of being tired. Yeah. 
Um, yeah, it's a, it's a lot. It's, it's been a lot and uh, it continues to be a lot. So I'm not glad that people can relate, but I, I figure it's fairly relatable. So what's crazy to me is that you just released an EP like last year and you're already yes. putting out a full length. Yes. So the EP that came out in October uh, called Lonesome was originally going to be, some of those songs were originally going to be on this record. Okay. And what happened was, you know, we recorded in fall of 2019, three mm -hmm. songs that were going to be on like a full length. And then things got delayed for various reasons. Then the pandemic, everything got delayed. Um, and while we were in, you know, dealing with lockdown and doing stuff, we, I did a, you know, another song and pulled out like, so I released Lady Liberty as a single, but we ended up including it on this EP. We basically just took a few things we had done and put them together to release an EP because it had been a while since I'd released music and it felt like those things were not going to necessarily work in tandem with anything we made for the full length record once we were able to get back in the studio. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah, and it, I was really happy to do it because it was interesting because Lonesome is such a song that, that I love so much and that audiences love. And so I didn't want to like not put good attention on it. And when we first decided to just package it as an EP and package it as an EP and put it out, on the one hand, I was like, oh, but it really needs lots of attention. And on the other hand, it kind of took the pressure off. Like, okay, we're just going to put this out and see what happens. And it did really well. So that was, that was awesome. That's great. Yeah. I was going to say, everybody needs to have like a, a COVID EP, you know, yeah. that, and, and similarly, I, I put out an EP that, uh, I just started like diving into like recording, mixing, mastering and all that stuff, uh, because I had nothing else to do. And I just watched mm. a bunch of like masterclass videos on it and stuff. And, um, I, I, I did the same thing. I kind of dug into some old songs, re-released one. I, I literally pulled all the tracks except for my old vocals and guitars off of an old song that is discontinued nice. and then remixed all of that with like new a new version of vocals and guitars and stuff like that and put it on the album from like that's awesome like, yeah like 10 years ago or something like that so oh, that's so fun and you said you did all the mixing and mastering yourself yeah 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 that's badass that's it's that's like you know it's a whole other art form beyond the music making itself so that says a lot for you it is. Yeah. I did that with this new one too. Um, so it, it, awesome. it's a lot to take on though. I wouldn't recommend it to anyone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There is, I mean, we do a lot ourselves as artists, I think across the board. And, um, I guess there's, there are some things that for me, I'll be like, okay, that's not, not a thing. I'm going to DIY, but there's plenty of other stuff that I do. Um, it's part of the reason why I got to draw a line. There's not enough hours in the day. Yeah, I know. So, so what are some of the other things that you do uh, for the art that maybe people don't realize? Well, um, I have, you know, either co-directed uh, and or definitely produced and edited a number of my own music videos. So the editing thing, and also I do my, I've been doing my own booking for 15 years and, you know, like all of those things, manage social media managing and yeah. I'm, and things like that. Yeah. A lot of people think that, you know, if you're doing okay, that you just automatically have all those things. They don't realize that <laughs> each individual thing costs so much money, you know, so much money. 
So much money. And, you know, like previously I was doing like every little piece of it. And now I, and I do on this record have, um, have a team that I'm working with, which is so exciting because it's so nice to have folks that I enjoy and that I trust and they're able to take on some of this and shoulder some of this work that like, you know, I can only be so good at all of these other things too, right? I can do some right. of my own radio promo. I can do some of my own press pitching, but I'm not a publicist and I'm not a radio promoter. And I need to have time to practice and to get, you know, to write the music and things like that. So it's very nice to unload some of it. And I'm like laughing at myself because there's still n not enough hours in the day. <laughs> so I'm like, how was I doing it before when I could not unload any of it? Yeah. I don't know. Well, and the thing about like uh, publicists and, and like radio is like, if you're doing it yourself, you get all of that rejection, you know, if oh, someone else is doing yeah. it, they're feeling it and they're, they're not letting you know about the rejection as much, you know, so. <laughs> just when you're like, Hey, did you hear back? And they're like, Ooh, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah, we mm, sure did about that one. Yeah. Mm -mm -mm. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, it's, I did. PR on my last record. And, um, it's not as fun to hear all the, the no's, especially if they don't realize that mm -hmm. you're the artist as well. <laughs> oh yeah. They're like, yeah, no way. And you're like, oh, okay. Thanks guy. <laughs> you're like, no, oh, no. Okay. Great. 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 No way. Yeah. It's plenty to do with the rejections of the booking. Yeah. You know? Right. Especially right now, everybody is getting back on. I'm just realizing that this window is open. Can you hear those cars driving by? Should I shut that window? I, I can't, but I realized that my AC was on. So, <laughs> it's, <laughs> if anybody it's blasting, gets, so we don't know. I can't hear. I can't hear your AC. So okay, perfect. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, everyone's getting back on the road right now, and mm -hmm. you know how hard that is. Just trying oh. to line up, like on a like at a at a regular time, just trying to line up a cohesive tour that makes sense is mm -hmm. a lot of work, and doing it when everyone else is trying to do the same things. <laughs> has been an adventure. Yeah. Yeah. It's like the floodgates are opening. I, I imagine. Are you staying most on the wet, mostly on the West coast for now? No, I mean, I have, um, we're doing a big record release show on, on July 22nd here in LA. And then I'm doing one in Philly on September 21st and one in New York on September 22nd. That's awesome. We're in, um, Philly. In Philly, I'll be at city winery. Cool. Yeah. Uh, my friend, uh, Veronica Stanton's playing there soon. Oh, awesome. I don't, I don't know if you know her. I don't know Veronica. Okay. Um, and I've not played at city winery yet. Um, you know, Philly's my hometown mm -hmm. and, uh, this will be my first time playing at city winery there. So I'm excited about it. That's yeah. That's exciting. Yeah. Uh, Veronica's from, uh, Jenkintown or something like that. Oh, sure. Sure. Okay, cool. We were actually supposed to be doing a tour and we were going to be playing the world cafe before the mm. world shut down. Uh, yeah. World Cafe is great. That's, that's typically where I go when I play in town is to World Cafe. And, you know, just scheduling is so tricky right now. Yeah, I bet. So yeah, you said around up. September you're doing that in um, Philly. So that kind of makes me think maybe you'll be at Americana Fest. I sure will. All right. Did you get a, <laughs> a showcase? I sure didn't. <laughs> uh, that's okay. Me either. Well, <laughs> We'll come, we'll commiserate together. Yeah, we'll commiserate together. Exactly. That sounds good. Yeah. No, no, I did not, not this year. And, but it doesn't matter. I'll be there. I'm awesome. looking forward to it. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a great time. I think that's where I met you initially. 
It is. Yeah, yeah. that's where we met. And that's, that is why I booked those shows um, in the Northeast for that time, because I figure, you know, I'll come out, do Americana Fest, and then go up to Philly and... Um, and New York and play those gigs. And then and I'll also be working on shows for the Northeast after that. So we're looking at having um, my full band at those shows, which will be awesome. And that's still sort of oh, a work wow. in progress. Yeah. But that would be a big deal because I've never toured with my band. I have toured with pieces, you know, mm-hmm. but primarily solo or duo. And so um, trying to do that. But then there'll be a bunch of other shows lined up as um, solo shows or duo shows from there. What's the full band look like? Is that like drums, bass, guitar? Yes, drums, upright bass, and well, and electric. He kind of switches back and forth. Electric mm. guitar, um, pedal steel slash dobro Ooh. slash Weisenborn, depending on the tune. Okay, uh, I'm not background that cool. What is Weisenborn? So Weisenborn is another like if it's another lap, you know, instrument. It's um, it's like you know when you see like a dobro. Mm-hmm. Man, I love that I'm tripping all over this description. It's like the, it feels like the acoustic guitar version of the dobro to me, in that it's like a natural wood instrument. It's on your lap. Mm-hmm. You play it slide the way you do pedal steel or, or dobro or whatever, but it's just like a slightly different sound. And it's a much, it has a very kind of woody and natural tone to it, which I love. I'm, I'm going to Google that after this is over. Weisenborn. <laughs> Weisenborn. Weisenborn. Okay, mm-hmm. so is, is that like the name, kind of like Dobro's the name, but it's actually a resonator guitar? Um, you know, I get confused about that, actually. Let's take a look. Let's know, just, let's just do it, it right now. <laughs> it's a, I know it's a capital W, so I want to say that it's like, is probably just the name of it. No? Oh, yeah, I've seen those. That's what mm-hmm. I was imagining uh, when, you, when you started describing it. Yeah, it's technically a guitar, but it's slap and... It's a slide. Brand of lap slide guitar. Oh, it's a brand. Okay. Yeah. Looks yeah, like it's it. a brand. Okay. From Los Angeles. There you go. Hey. Hey, now. We both learned something. <laughs> <laughs> Learning and teaching all at the same time. <laughs> so, so, yeah. So, we got the, the pedal steel Weisenborn uh, electric guitar. Bass, yes. upright bass, drums. Upright bass, drums, um, myself on acoustic guitar and piano, and then like a keys player for like organ and Wurlitzer sounds and things like that. Wow, yeah. Um, and then background vocals, one vocalist. So it depends. So like right now, that setup, we'll have that in L.A. Uh, mm-hmm. for this show at Host Hill Cafe on July 22nd. And so that will we'll be a seven-piece band. And then... Um, my good friend, Abby Posner, who's an Americana artist, she's going to sit in with us on a song on banjo. So it'll be a good time. That's awesome. Yeah, that sounds like a, a fun time. I would love to be in Los Angeles to hear the full band show, but unfortunately, I don't think I'm going to make that. <laughs> well, hopefully we'll get lots of video from it. And then, you know, dream in the dream that that'll just be something I'm able to tour with at some point because that would be amazing. Definitely. Yeah. I mean, that is the dream. It's, it's hard too, because I imagine, um, getting out of going to the West coast is so expensive. So I imagine getting out of the West coast is pretty expensive as well, especially with the six piece band. Yeah, exactly. It really is. It's a, it's tricky and I've never been able to do it before. So I'm hoping to be able to pull it off this time for at least this, like, you know, those few release shows and, um, and then we'll see what the future holds. 
So when you were writing this record, was this uh, all original Mary Scholl's originals uh, or are there any covers or any co-writes or anything on it? They're all Mary Scholl's originals uh, and all just me, no co-writes on this one. Wow. That's awesome. Do y'all do a lot of co-writing in uh, LA? Yes and no. Sir, sir, I don't think as much as you do in Nashville there. I know, you know, it's funny when I first moved to here, it was definitely something that was more on my radar radar, and I did much more often than I do nowadays. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think there are lots of people who are doing co-writes all the time. And I myself, it's like a, it's like a totally different writing experience for me. And the kind of songs that come out of it for me are so different from the ones that I write when I'm by myself. And I think that that's they're both valuable, you know? Um, so I really do enjoy getting together with somebody and writing with them and learning about them because it's such a personal process to write a song. And, um, and I, but I do a lot of my own. It's like dancing, you know, um, mm. you gotta have the right partner to, to really move. It's well really together. true. It's really true. And you can really know a person and be and enjoy them and then not have a groove as a writer with them which yeah. was a, an odd thing to learn. I, I remember getting into a writing room like in New Jersey when I was very young with somebody who I was like, yeah, this is going to be great. And then it was so awkward <laughs> and we just couldn't. And I was like, oh, okay. This is, it's like dating. Sometimes you just cannot. Yeah. Well, and if you don't like learn the other person ahead of time too, I think that that's important. Like if you want to be a good co-writer is to listen to some of the other person's material and know so going Absolutely. in, you know, what's going to work for, for them. If you're writing for them, uh, typically when I co-write, I'm writing for someone else. I'm not writing for myself, but. Okay. Um, are you typically writing for yourself solo? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Gotcha. This record, uh, will be all will paint originals, except one cover, one cover of uh songwriter in town that I really liked, uh, the song, well, oh. like all the songwriting. So awesome. It fit the um, thematic style of this record remind me when that record comes out yeah it's it's coming out in october october awesome mm-hmm. i know i've been seeing your posts about it um i look forward to hearing it yeah i'm, I'm super pumped about it uh but this is about your record so not mine well you know it's all about <laughs> <laughs> um so what is the name of the record i don't i was looking trying to find that on the Website. The record is called Begin Again, and I am sorry, I should have sent it to you ahead of time so you could have it. Um, but the record is called Begin Again, and that comes from a song on the record that is called Street Lights. So it's not, there's no like title track, quote unquote, but it is a lyric from the song Street Lights. Awesome. Yeah. I was looking at all your photography stuff too, and uh, I know you said you do a lot of um, directing with the um, videography and, and editing and stuff. Do you do some of the, uh, photo shoot directing as well? Cause it, it is yeah. cohesive and beautiful. Oh, thank you. I'm so glad to hear that. It's always interesting because you never can, I mean, you just never know how things are being received or seen. Mm-hmm. Like I know what I think I'm seeing and hopefully putting out there. <laughs> so I appreciate hearing that. Um, you know, I always have an active role with what it's going to look like. And I'm very adamant that it matched the feeling of the music, which was a little bit tricky on this record. So with the Lonesome EP, I shot those um, photos with my great friend, uh, Abigail. She's wonderful. And that was very, we were just, we sort of 
we sort of worked that out together, what it was going to look like, what it was going to feel like. And we did a little bit of kind of, you know, let's just see, let's just see, let's just go find some spaces and that kind of thing. Yeah. Whereas for the California record that came out in 2017, um, I shot with Alyssa Armstrong. She's amazing also. And that we had a much more like specific vision. I was like, I want to be in nature and I want it to look this way. And mm -hmm. she found this spot for us to shoot. And it was, we had a very specific idea of what it would be. So for this record, I worked with Piper Ferguson, who was amazing. And we, we did like the whole mood board thing and, and how do we want this to look and that to look. And we kind of came out of it with a lot of different things. So when we, when I went to pick out photos for the record layout and things like that, I was mm -hmm. like, Oh shoot, <laughs> there's too much. I'm not sure now what matches. So, um, it's kind of been fun to play with though, because the different songs, the record really kind of moves between all these different pieces of my musical interests. Mm -hmm. So it's an Americana record. But there are a few songs, like the first two songs that came out are not ex like very explicitly Americana sounding. You know, there's a little bit of a pop feel, a little bit of like a funk feel, a little bit of sort of this, for, you know, for Talk To Me Anyway and for Tired Sad, it has very sort of like 70s kind of classic mid-tempo yeah. ballad feeling to it, all this organ happening. I got that, I got that vibe, like the almost like Laurel Canyon-y kind of. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so the record really kind of moves between those spaces, and then there's songs like the feature song that we're going to uh, be putting out on the record release day is called Ordinary Morning. And that is like a real sunshine Americana song, you know, it's really, really has, captures that sort of classic Americana feeling. But I like that, that it sort of dips around all these different musical interests I have and doesn't, doesn't land squarely in one space exactly, and the photos sort of mirror that. We've got a bunch of different looks and, and spaces where that I'm occupying. And I think that that, I think that represents it well in sort of all of the different emotional fields I'm working with in the song topics as well. Yeah. Do you think that um, you were more influenced by like your Philadelphia upbringing and that kind of like folk uh, background or or has LA more at least for this next record been more influential or just kind of just all over the place I mean I think it's a little bit of both I really you know coming up when I was a young musician I was really influenced by you know James Taylor and Joni Mitchell and Carol mm -hmm. King and all of those wonderful classic writers mm. and but I was also really influenced by pop music and I really enjoyed you know, emo punk and things like that. And you don't really hear that <laughs> in my music, but, right. but that's all part of oh, I where it. I come from. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so I'm oh, releasing funny. a new emo punk record. <laughs> um, but when I came out to California, originally the first record I put out was like a real pop singer songwriter record, the girl mm -hmm. you thought you knew that was really just sort of in line with the Sarah Bareilles and then all that kind of feeling. But as I stepped more into the sounds of things that I really like, you know, I used to say what I want one day is to have a big bluegrass band behind me, but mm. I'm singing something that's not quite a bluegrass, like traditional sound. And that's kind of where we've gone. We've kind of gone into this arena where we have a lot of this classic Americana and bluegrass instrumentation on top of this sort of lyrical pop folk melodies and and songs 
Um, and so California, that the record I released in 2017 was very much in that folk arena. And this is an extension of that, kind of drawing back a little bit some of the more pop things that we heard in 2014 on The Girl You Thought You Knew. Um, but I was also, I was working with Jonathan Wilson on this record. So everything else that I've done, I've, I've, I've co-produced with folks. And this time I had Jonathan Wilson on as producer, who was awesome to work with. And he, he, one of the things I love about him and love about his discography of things that he's produced is that there's so many there's so many different spaces that's occupied. It's not all the same thing, you know, mm -hmm. and it seems to be really fitting to the artists themselves, the sound of each record, which was part of why I wanted to work with him. Cause you know, some folks really put a stamp of like, Oh, I can hear that producer on that record. Right. And some folks like really kind of guide it to be something very specific to the individual. And so I was very happy to get to do that with him and really proud of what we, what we came out with at the end of the day. That's awesome. Yeah. I, the, the thing about the bluegrass band that I thought was uh, super interesting is same, same with me. Like I always was like, I want a bluegrass. Well, I had one for a while too. Um, but I, I just, I was like, I don't, I don't think I like, I'm not, what happened was I really wanted to do the bluegrass stuff, but those were not the songs that resonated with the crowd. And so mm -hmm. I, you just kind of have to go into the direction that uh, is going to, you know, sometimes it's going to make you the most money. And so I was like, okay, I guess I'm doing the honky tonk thing. Cause that's, <laughs> that's where people want me to be. So that's yeah, kind of, it's funny though. Cause like, I would love to do bluegrass. I'm just not, I'm not a bluegrass musician. <laughs> yeah. And I'm not either. I'm not a bluegrass musician. I don't try to pretend to be or anything like that. You know, um, I, I just, I love the instrumentation of it. And I love listening to it. I love like traditional and classic bluegrass musicians. They're so talented and I, and I'm a big fan of it, but, um, I like being able to sort of bring in what makes me, me into the mix of what makes that instrumentation really beautiful. Right. Yeah. Um, it's been years. Go ahead. Okay, so we were just we took five. We were talking about going viral because we're both amazingly viral, cool people. <laughs> Continue, sorry. So you went you went viral on, on TikTok. I went viral on TikTok, and the video was about sexual harassment. And it just it we we were just talking about how like crazy of and how strange of an experience it is when that happens because I'd never have had anything like that happen before. You know, I have a really lovely dedicated following on social media and I hear from people that I, whose names I know now and all that kind of stuff, which is awesome. Mm -hmm. And I love that. This is the first time anything just went nuts. And I think now it has like 6.5 million views on it Wow! and just like thousands of comments and, you know, comments from women that are like, yes, that's exactly my experience. And comments from men that are like, that sucks. And then comments from men that's like, that doesn't happen. And then the arguments that ensues from those kind of things <laughs> and just like wild and crazy. And the few, like the videos that I put up in response after that, a few of them, you know, also like really 
big audience of people. And then things started, I started to get like overwhelmed and not responding yeah. right away or as much, which of course is when your engagement tanks and you like stop, you stop mm-hmm. perpetrating, you know, like just like making it continue. Right. And then it fell off. And that was also just as that was another type of part. Cause I was like, Oh no, everybody come back. Let's keep talking. <laughs> no, nobody's meant to, to be communicative on that level though. Like that's just impossible. No, it's intense. Yeah. It's intense. And you really like you, you miss things that come in, you know, they'll be, mm-hmm. and then and this is true about all social media I try to stay on top of it. I like to be involved in it because I enjoy interacting with people, right? Like everything that I write about is very personal and I am, you know, I feel very much called to be on stage and talk about real life stuff and my own journey. And a lot of it has to do with like healing and following your path, et cetera, which means that if I'm lucky enough folks are connecting to that in a really personal way and sharing their stories with me, which is a real honor. Mm -hmm. And so on social media, like I'd like to be able to keep up with these people who, that who feel connected and and we've, you know, engaged in some way at a show or something. And I like to reach new people, but no matter what, like, it's just impossible to keep up with all the time. And I miss stuff that comes in. I missed that this person followed me that I should follow back because I've met them personally, or I know them and we've established a friendship, but I don't realize they're following me for like a full year. Or (laughs) someone says a comment on a video that I missed because something else crazy happened, like this video that went viral. And then I find it months later and I always feel bad because I don't, you know, it's just never the intention to ignore anybody. So I yeah. guess this is why I'm saying this right now. If you're on my social media and it seems like I'm ignoring you, it's not on purpose. Yeah. And like, you know, I don't, I don't think I went anywhere near by mine was only like, you know, three or 300,000 views or something like that. But so uh, even that was like intense for me. And it's, it's true because like, uh, you know, I'm there to, to talk to all these people who want to engage and like have some sort of like, longer term, not just like a one off, like, Oh, haha, that was funny. Let me share that with my friend. And then I don't right. know who you are ever again. Like, that's not what I'm on social media for. I'm there for the people to like engage with them and musicians, you know, fans, friends, you know, uh, yeah. anybody in the industry, like I'm there to, to engage with people and like grow together, you know, in, in an environment where like, it's not meaningless, you know, I'm making the best out of social media and, and sure. <laughs> going viral is not the best. Of social media. <laughs> but I mean, I guess it's kind of necessary to grow your brand, but I mean, it's really great in some areas, you know, um, I hope that there's a good turnover of folks who got interested in what I have to say about, being uh, about the female experience and that yeah. might be interested in what I have to say about the human experience in my songs. I do talk about the female experience a lot of my music as well. So I hope that there's a good turnover rate there, but I can't guarantee that. But I, le- I felt at least that if it was going to be something that was not related directly to my music, that it was at least related to the m- part of the messaging or part of like <laughs> my brand, as you're saying, which is, you know, I talk, I've, I've written a lot about about the paths, the different paths that women take and what mm-hmm. we're 
what's expected of us and all that stuff. But what you're talking about is really, it's like the, the best use of social media is if you can really personally engage with people yeah. at its best. Social media is really interesting in that way and really gives us the opportunity to connect across the distance, you know, so far there's, you do, you start to get to know people's names, even if you've never met them. I know that there's always, you know, like Lewis, who's in Japan is going to comment on my posts on Facebook yeah. and, and, you know, like all these things, it's very special. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, it, it's, it's time consuming and you have to ignore all of the ugly stuff if you can. Right. <laughs> it's, a, it's a, it's a balancing act. Yeah, it really is. But um, I do want to talk about the experience that you had in the studio. Um, did you record your record in all, fully in L.A. with all your band? Yes. So we went into the studio this past September of 2021. Sorry, mm-hmm. there's a gnat in my face. Okay. In September of 2021, we went into uh, Jonathan's, Jonathan Wilson's studio in Topanga Canyon which was just a beautiful, magical space to make a record. I felt very lucky to get to do that. And we basically had two weeks. We had 10 days Mm -hmm. to make this record. (laughs) And we went in, we had the whole band there for five days. And we just went in and would sit down. We went song by song. I would sit in the control room with everybody with my guitar and play through the song. And I would start out by telling everybody like, this is the theme of the song. And this is what I want. This is what I want the audience to experience from it. This was the first time I made a record where I didn't do basically any pre-production. I was just thinking, I was like, so you were kind of writing the parts in the studio. Yes. As far as the arrangements are concerned, that stuff was happening in the studio. Previously, on all of the records and EPs I've released and singles, I've done pre-production work ahead of time. Mm-hmm. Some of them are, so- like a lot of them were songs I'd played live with bands or other musicians and we've kind of worked out how it would go. You know, when we went into the studio for Lonesome, that was something I played live all the time. Yeah. Played it as a guitar duo. We had like that feeling of it down. We had to add in other instruments and stuff like that. But the core of the, of the, of the arrangement was sort of there. And also that was always how I saved extra money, you know, because studio time is so expensive. So I was like, cool, let's get into a rehearsal space. Let's figure out what the arrangements are there. And then when we go in, we can just knock it out. But in this case, a lot of the songs were written during the pandemic. Some of them were old songs that just never made it onto records and therefore never made it into the live show. And they were like just blank canvases, which was terrifying and also very exciting. So we would start the day with me sitting down either on guitar or piano, talk Mm -hmm. out the tune, what I want to, you know, what I hope for people to feel when they hear it. And I'd start playing and I'd either just play through the whole song and then I'd start playing it again and people would start to add in, you know, or the first time through folks would start to jump in and we'd just sort of start feeling it out. This is how this is going to go. Okay. Maybe that's where that comes in. Okay. Maybe this is, maybe this is not upright bass. Maybe this is going to be electric bass here. All right. Maybe we're not using the wise and born. Maybe we're going to, you know, have the, and there's, there's like a ton of bazooki on this record. Interestingly enough, okay, which is, what bazooki is it's like a Gaelic, you know, it's like Irish music yeah. has bazooki all over it. And mm-hmm. there's nothing Gaelic 
Gaelic about my record, but I also love Gaelic music. It was not my idea. Okay. Ben Peeler, who, who plays Dobro and Wise and Born and Pedal Steel and Mandolin on the record and on my previous uh, EP, he brought it in. He was like, I don't know. I just, I hear it. And it, it really works. It's all over the record. <laughs> it's like a big ass mandolin basically. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It is. Um, so there's, yeah. uh, that's sort of how we came to shape all of the songs was just working through it, you know, and Jonathan being like, okay, but what if you throw this in here instead? And we did record everything live together to tape and then oh, process wow. the digital. So we, you know, and then I re-recorded my acoustic guitar and vocal mm-hmm. later, um, then to the following week. What kind of guitar? But we did on? everything live together. Um, it's a, I'm playing. So on this record, I play, um, I don't know that I play my Taylor much on this record. I have a 1920s Oahu that oh. I'm playing on the record. I have, um, a 1970s Giannini. And then I think Jonathan had a, it's a Brazilian guitar. Oh, okay. Um, and then Jonathan had a really nice Martin parlor guitar that I played. So depending, you know, depending on what the song, as, as you you know, how that works, like how it, the sound of the guitar changes the sound of the song. So we kind of would test it out what seemed like the right vibe. Um, but yeah, when, when I recorded, when I did the California record, we did everything live to tape in one room and that's just how it came out. That's what we ended up with. In this case, we recorded it to Vocals tape too? also, but, but we, yes, like, I mean, everything no that's overdubs. on the California record is, is live. I did okay. uh, overdubs on one song on the California record and some harmonies and otherwise everything was, everything was like what we captured is what we captured. So that, that shit is live, but this record. I love that. I, I want to experience that one day. Yeah. It was cool. Awesome. It was cool. And I went into it with Jonathan when we first started talking about the record. I was like, I love that, but I don't want to be limited to whatever we capture vocally Yeah. in the moment. So we did keep like my piano that I played with the band mm-hmm. live. And I think that we overdubbed all of my acoustic guitar because it was just a little bit too much bleed or something like that. Um, but the vocals we, we, we redid. Which you, was great. I loved that. Were you playing like a, an electric piano or were you playing uh, like a, an actual grand? baby grand? Baby, oh, beautiful. It's a baby grand. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The, the tones on um, the uh, s- single. Oh man, I forgot. Uh, tr- hate. Uh, s- oh, sad. talk to me or tired, sad, tired, sad. I was like, tired, hate, sad. hate, sad, <laughs> uh, tired, sad. Um, the tones on that are great. I'm, I'm glad to hear that that was a, a, a baby grand because you know, you can get great tones out of electric pianos these days. These days, so oh, for sure, totally, you can. Fooled me with that. Too. We actually had a very funny experience with the piano that I didn't. We didn't directly experience, but one of the days we came into the studio, and Jonathan was like, "Oh my god, we had a crazy night last night." I knew we were going to be tracking on this baby grand today, and so I called in you know, somebody to come in and tune the, the piano. Mm-hmm. And he would, I just wanted to make sure like I'd been tuned last week, but I just want to make sure. Great. Love that. But whoever he usually called in wasn't available. And then he ended up calling somebody else who like showed up <laughs> and I guess didn't know what they were doing. Like it was somebody who was like, you know, like a fraud that that's just people who say they do a B or C so they can get paid and they don't. 
He was like, it was such a mess. He came in, tinkered around for a while, messed up the tuning and then left. And I had to find another person like in the middle of the night to come back in and retune this baby grand piano. So that first thing in the morning we could track, which he did pull off and it sounded beautiful. It did. (laughs) But he he didn't sleep that night. (laughs) Yeah, no, I wouldn't either. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Um, is your, is piano your first instrument or is guitar? It is. I started on piano when I was young. I mean, I, I'm uncertain at this point whether or not my first instrument was piano or if it was flute, because I played flute for a very long time. I think I started on piano a little bit before that, very inconsistently. My mom plays, she plays piano and organ. She was teaching me for a while. As we all know, it's trickier to learn from your own parent than it is from a, just somebody you're assigned to as a teacher. So I didn't yeah. stick with it as much as I wanted, as I should have, wish I had, not wanted to at the time. Um, but I, I was playing flute and, and saxophone, and then I started playing piano more in high school. And that's mm-hmm. also when I picked up guitar. And I primarily did that because I didn't want to have to wait around for anybody to accompany me. So for a really long time, I was like, yeah, I play guitar, but, you know, I'm just like a rhythm guitarist, whatever. I just play so I can sing. Um, sorry. I don't know if you could hear that ringing. That's okay. Um, and then at some point the guitar just became my main instrument and what I loved and just love learning it. And how many of them can I own that have different characters? And then I, (laughs) you know, it was nice to find, I remember being on tour and recognizing one day that like, Oh, you don't just play to sing, you play. And you love to play. And that was, that was like a nice discovery. I don't think that that happened to me until I moved to Nashville because I kind of had to be better, you know? Um, oh, sure. You know, when you're in a smaller town, you can be mediocre and, and nobody notices because there's not really a lot of better player. You're already doing fine. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I came here and that's when I like fell more in love with being a good guitar player instead of just like half-assing it. But yeah, it took, yeah. It, I mean, I was not good for a long time. I wasn't bad. I was just like, <laughs> yeah, know. it's like, oh, it's fine. Yeah. It's fine. And I was mostly like self-conscious, like, oh yeah, I, I don't really play. I don't really play. I play, but I don't really play, you know? Right. Yeah. That's how and I And then at I some point I was course. like, oh no, I do. I do play though. I remember I was like on, I was on the record release tour for the, the girl you thought you knew record. And I had a day off in Ohio and we went to the rock and roll hall of fame. Mm-hmm. And there is like a room that is just full of everybody's guitars and they're beautiful and old and behind glass and it's legendary. And I remember having just a, f- a physical reaction, like I gasped and I was like, oh, it was an awe of these instruments. And that was kind of when I rem- like realized how much I love the, the instrument and the craft of playing, mm-hmm. that it wasn't just a vocalist who was playing so that I could sing. Oh no, I'm also. So you don't have to pay another guitarist. <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah. Or wait around. That was like, that was the main thing. Just felt, I just want to sing. I want to be able to sing right now. And pianos are not always at my disposal. Right. But a guitar, yeah. I can sling that over my back real easy. Yeah. I think that's kind of how it became such a popular instrument. Oops. Is, uh, you know, you could take it out on the road with you, you know, and not, not every place is going to have a piano or a piano in tune. <laughs> right, right. And foolishly enough, for years, I used to play this 
giant guitar. It was a jumbo dreadnought. It is way too big for my body. <laughs> but I, I just, I went into a guitar shop at the time when I was looking for it and they kept bringing me these small guitars, which as, as a grown person who has all these parlors that I love now, I understand that. But at the time they were pitching it to me as girls love these because they're small. And I was so offended. I was, please don't sell me a guitar because I'm a girl. Please sell me a guitar because it's good. Right. And so I asked them for the largest guitar they had. And they <laughs> gave me this giant dreadnought and I bought it. it like <laughs> and J- I played it J- and J- I toured with it. It's like, it's an Ibanez. Um, oh, okay. Man, I can't even remember what it, it, it's broken now. So thankfully, because I actually have shoulder injury issues from playing it. I, I carted that thing around Europe on my tour. It just obnoxiously sized for my body. Yeah. Just to prove a point. <laughs> That's funny. I've I never played a jumbo. Time. I've never played a jumbo, but I did play. I was a bass player for a long time and I switched to banjo, which was oh. dumb because banjo is heavier than bass. And <laughs> they are was, heavy. Yeah. I thought I was going to get a break and it was, it was just, it was heavier. So, <laughs> but now most of the time I just play guitar these days. I don't really play too much banjo. So it's a little bit easier on my back. Yeah. Yeah. That stuff's hard and it's a lot to cart around. And mm-hmm. I always have a lot of stuff between a couple of guitars and merch and maybe a keyboard if I have the space for it. But I always feel very lucky when I see a drummer show up with their whole kit or <laughs> upright bass player putting their instrument in their car. I'm like, you know, it's not so bad. It's fine. Yeah. Yeah, I I don't understand uh, why we do that to to bass players. We demand that they play upright bass when, <laughs> when electric is so much easier. But it is so it much easier, but it's such a different so tone. It's yeah. so good. I love it. Um, so we were kind of talking during that little intermission we had uh, about like just the community of of the Americana scene and how you've kind of uh, been in the Philly scene and in the LA scene and then, you know, immersed at least through Americana Fest and and touring uh, here in Nashville, which are some of the bigger um, Americana scenes, at least to date. Um, Do you see differences in those scenes or do you not, is it just kind of all blurred together? Cause you know, we're all crossing paths all the time. Oh, that's a great question. You know, I, I appreciate the community in all those different spaces. And I feel like, when I was in the Philly scene, I was more in the singer-songwriter kind of folk world. Mm-hmm. And I would really love to connect with the Americana scene there, which obviously the folk world is part of that. Then that's what I love about the Americana community is that it really is this broad spectrum of genre, genres that flow into each other, like what I was talking about, you know, on the record, there's all these different styles that are all part of the same family. Right. So what I really appreciated about Americana Fest was feeling this inclusion. And, and this is something that we're also desperately needing is the feeling of inclusion and the actual act of inclusion, not just the feeling of it. And so um, I think that the Americana scene here in L.A. has been exploding over the past few years. And it's really interesting to watch and great, like cool, very cool to find these nooks and crannies where all these Americana artists are performing that well, we didn't know about this venue or we didn't know about this Americana night of this bluegrass night. Um, I actually started an Instagram account called Americana LA to try to 
encourage the, the community to come together and know about each other's shows, know about the different venues that are playing, like, and anybody who's a fan of Americana music in LA to be able to land on that and see what's happening in town. I don't have a lot of time to do so. So it requires that everybody sort of help out and send me your info when you have a show and send me the details and things so I can share it. Um, because I think we're just so much more powerful altogether, considering yeah. it a community rather than considering it competition. Oh, this person's sort of in my genre and I've got to wedge them out. I'm so, I'm so over any version of that in the industry. It's just so unnecessary. Everybody does something a little bit different. And I think that there's space for everybody. Well, we rise together, you know, that's what I think. Exactly. Exactly. And so in Nashville, I have been very lucky to connect with lots of wonderful people and meet people like yourself and, and just when people are open and accepting and, and welcoming, it's just such a beautiful and powerful thing. And so it's something that I hope to continue to be able to do myself as well as be on the receiving end of and just build up those communities of, of artists who are within the genre to support each other. Yeah, it does seem sometimes like there's such a gap between, um, you know, East and West Coast, um, just because... Uh, and, and most of the people I've talked to from LA, it's like, ah, oh, just to get out there is just so expensive and, and really hard. And then people aren't as interested in, in booking someone that, they, you know, cause it's like a, it's almost like the Texas thing too, because Texas is like so insular sure. that like everyone's like these huge people in Texas. And then they come over to North Carolina and no one knows who they are. Um, it's kind of like that. Right. And like building that scene, it's like really helps so that there is more of a, you know, uh, line for everyone to kind of uh, jump to different areas that they might not be, have a huge scene. Yeah. It would, be, it would be so nice to be able to do that because we have, I, you know, I feel it myself, the, uh, the impulse to be like where someone is trying to come in and, and you know, who are you? There's, there's mm -hmm. that impulse. that's very human. And right. then there's the other impulse, which is okay. Wonderful. Let's all work together. Wouldn't it be nice if we were all, providing a space for other people to come in. You know, um, I, I think I mentioned Abby earlier. Abby Posner yeah. is a wonderful American honor artist. If you don't know her, you should. She's awesome. Um, she plays guitar and banjo and mandolin and all that good stuff. And, you know, she just did a show here in LA with an uh, Americana duo from the UK. And I sang on that with her and, um, called the Black Feathers and they were awesome. And it was just nice. It was nice. <laughs> Just to welcome people into the community and hope to help build yeah. their audience here or their relationship with venues. It's such a tiring and insular and isolating act to be an artist, truly, that the more we can access each other and, and, and support each other, I think the better off we'll be, not just musically, but mentally, really. I can imagine, you know, I've never been to L.A., um but I can imagine it's so huge that there's like small sections, you know, so I can imagine Absolutely. that it can feel isolating when you're in like these certain sections and it's so huge that you could literally go 15 minutes and like see people you've never met in your entire life doing similar things. Oh yeah. It's, it's almost, it's unnerving almost when you run into a new pocket of people and they're talented and you don't know about them. And why don't I know about them? And holy shit, how many of us are there? 
there's like such this this joke almost in town of like somebody's aunt ask if you know their nephew that just moved to town and you're like no like do you know how many songwriters there are in nashville i don't know your nephew that just moved to <laughs> yeah yeah and then at this on this at the, on the same token you end up playing a gig with a musician whose bass player is somebody that you know from 12 years ago in a different city and that's wild and how did that even happen you know the small world connections also are very real yeah that's true yeah all the time it happens uh, yeah anywhere you go on the road you're gonna like somebody knows somebody (laughs) yeah it's 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 wild that i mean i've been doing this since like 2005 not just country but just music in general and sure yeah it, it's always like no matter where you go there's somebody even now you know people from oh, 2005 yeah. that saw me at some show somewhere you know it's wild and that that's a whole other community i feel the the touring community because not everybody spends a lot of time on the road which is totally yeah. fine because everybody's got their thing some people love being in the studio some people love being on the road etc cetera, etc cetera. we all have to do part like a little bit of everything but i feel there's something special about being out on the road and, oh, well, I'm going to be in Massachusetts at the same time that this artist who I know very lightly from this other event, but they live in Nashville, but we're going to be in Massachusetts on the same day. And maybe we can meet up and have a coffee or I can catch part of their show and they can come catch part of mine. Like that to me is one of my favorite things about touring is, is seeing who else I can connect with. That's also out on the, on the rambling road and, you know, in this sort of yeah. we bolt- lifestyle. Uh, I had them on the podcast, I guess, last year at some point, and they're here in Nashville, and they joke that they see their friends more on tour than they do back <laughs> home in Nashville. It's crazy. Yeah, it's true sometimes. It's just, it's wild how that happens, but I enjoy that part of it very much. I love being on the road. That's a piece of this whole career that is a big, um, big for me because Are you I feel be doing that, that next year too. Yes. Yes. I have some tour dates going for this year, more things to be confirmed. I just finished up like a two week run, which was great. And was my first time back out on the road since before the pandemic. Um, so I have more things that'll be coming up for this year, but next year will be a little bit more heavily focused on that. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I love that. It's really where I feel like I, I do the best work is in person with people and, it's, I enjoy it. And so I'm looking forward to getting to do that. I have grown to really love the sanctuary space that is my home. Like this time that we've been forced to stay home. I have a great new respect and love for it. You learn um, so many things during the the lockdown. We all learn so many things mm-hmm. during the lockdown uh, that it's like, oh, I actually do enjoy slowing down for a minute. <laughs> I haven't done that in 10 years. It's, yeah. it's wild. Yeah. It scared me a little bit, actually, you know? It's, yeah. Yeah. Tr- truly. And it, it scared me a little because, you know, the whole is it that I'm getting older and I'm, I, I love being on the road and that's like how my life is and blah, blah, blah. And so before I went out on this past, you know, run in June, I was nervous. What happens if I get out there and I don't like it anymore? That will turn my entire world upside down. But I got out there and I loved it. And then I came home and I loved that too. So that's a perk. That's nice. (laughs) Yeah. I'm I'm going out in August and I'm excited about it because it's been, it's been, um, almost three years. Yeah. I'm here. Uh, it's a, it's broken up and your visual 
was frozen, but oh, there you are. Okay, I think we, that's better. I heard you say good? you're going out in August and you're excited. I was seeing on yeah. your Twitter that you were looking at different spaces. Can you hear me? Yeah, I can. Yeah, I can hear you. Yeah, we're we're in the process of of locking in a few more dates. It's only going to okay. be like a week. Okay, long, okay. But yeah, it's exciting. A week long tour is 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 a lot to take on. Even are you traveling? Are you touring solo? Are you touring with a, you know a band version? You know any, of any version? I'll be doing solo in August. I'll probably do um, band stuff once the album releases in October. So wait, kind of wait until then to sure, sure. throw more money <laughs> out the window. Oh yeah, it's a huge undertaking both to plan it and to pay for it. I've toured solo for fifteen years primarily with. Mm-hmm occasional you know changes in in that but um it's just so much more financially doable right you actually come home with money in your pocket so that's the main reason to to do the solo stuff a lot yeah you know just it makes things a lot easier but it's not always the desired i enjoy i enjoy doing a solo show which i'm glad for and i really have honed my skills as a performer that way so I feel grateful to be able to do either thing, to be able to show up by myself and hold down the fort and play the show and keep people engaged as well as getting on stage with other musicians and being able to, you know, light up the stage that way. There's, they're just, they're kind of different art forms. Right. Well, begin again is the perfect title for coming out <laughs> of the, the pandemic and uh, comes yeah, out July 26th. 22nd, July 22nd. 22nd, sorry. It yeah. comes out July 22nd. I mean, but if you look for it on July 26th, it'll, it'll be, be there. there for you. <laughs> and uh, yeah, <laughs> J- July 22nd is a Friday. That makes sense. Um, yeah. So check out maryshoals.com, S-C-H-O-L-Z. And, uh, That's right. That's right. We just redid the, the website and there's... Thank you. I can't wait to see you too. It'll be so nice to catch up in person. And thank you so much for having me on the podcast here. I really was looking forward to it and I'm glad to be able to chat with you. Yeah, I'm finally, you know, we've been talking for a while about doing it. So I'm glad we finally got to. Well, thanks Mary Scholes for showing up on the podcast. Really appreciate it. Uh, it was great to see you at Americana Fest. Sorry it took so long to get this episode out, but uh, happy to have you on. Um, Make sure that you are following because we've got more episodes coming up. Afton Wolf will be up uh, next on the podcast. And uh, we've got a few more in the pipeline for you, including Evermore Nest uh, and Brittany Collins uh, and some more are coming. So rate and review that. Uh, help us uh, get more visibility. Uh, make sure you're following us on all those social medias. Uh, I will be doing some giveaways for the month of October uh, for my new record. So you definitely want to follow... Will Payne Harrison or at Will P. Harrison on Twitter uh, at Will Payne Harrison on Instagram uh, make sure you follow India Ramey uh, Mary Scholes Americana Station do all that uh, good stuff and uh, we'll see you next time uh, on the podcast with Afton Wolf <laughs>